All right, well, if you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. If you don't have your Bible, grab your phone, Google it, because I really want us to sit in this passage and wrestle with it and struggle with it today, because in these words are words that are going to help us recalibrate, realign, and tune up this new year. So on Friday... I went to visit with a friend. He's a guy that uh, I've known for several years. And we have a very special relationship, but he lives in Tennessee, so we don't get to see each other that often. And so when we try to catch up, we're trying to go as deep as we can, as quick as we can. You ever have relationships like that? And so he says to me this question that's inviting me to go deeper in our relationship because he wants me to share his heart. And so his question is, what are your resolutions this year? And I realized as soon as he asked that question that I got nothing. <laughs> because resolutions are not something that I have given more than two seconds to as I prepare for the new year. And so that got me thinking not about what my resolution should be, but it got me thinking, what's wrong with me that I don't want resolutions? And as I walked down that path, I realized that as I look at my life, there's nothing that I'm really wanting to restart, to, to resolve to do completely differently. Now, maybe if I asked you, you would have a list for me, and I'd receive that and appreciate that. But as I looked at my life, what I'm looking for in 2022 is not some big resolution that I'll take a swing at and probably miss. The question that I'm looking at for 2022 is how do I change and tweak and strengthen my spiritual disciplines. Because change happens in us not through big acts of risk and faith and courage, although there are certainly moments for that. But the everyday changes and tweaks that we're talking about as we look at the book of Romans come as we tune up our disciplines. As we say, hey, I, 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 I pray a little bit, but I want to pray a little bit more. As we say, yeah, I, I spend a little bit of time in God's word, but I want to spend a little bit more. And I would put it to you that it's not some great, crazy, chaotic, huge resolution that's going to change this year for you, but that it's going to be some disciplines. Now, there are times, and I've had them, you've had them, I'll probably have some more, you'll probably have some more, where God needs to come in and just overhaul our life. Look at us and say, oh man, that's such a mess, we can't tweak that, let's start again. And the good news is that God is the God of start again. But often, the God who loves us looks at us and says, I'm building you and I'm forming you. And the best thing that we can do as we look to this new year it's not to overhaul everything about us, but simply tune up and tweak who we are and how we're living and who we want to be. And so this last week, I've been thinking a lot about what does it mean for me to tune up some of my areas of my life? And as I do, honestly, there are three 
Three things that I want to hit. First of all, I want to tune up my relationship with God. Sometimes I do all right in my relationship with God. Sometimes I fail miserably. But I want to tune up that relationship so that my life and my relationship with God is marked by grace and gratitude. Secondly, I want to tune up my relationship with people because I'm absolutely convinced that people matter most to God. This world is defined and measured and weighed, and it works or it doesn't work by how much we love each other. So I'm praying, God, would you tune up my relationships? But I know that for God to tune up my relationships, first of all, he has to tune up my relationship with him because the relationship I have with others flows from the relationship that I have with him. I want to tune up my relationship with God. I want to tune up my relationship with others. And I want to tune up my relationship with myself. I want to become a better me, better husband, better dad, better friend, better man. But I know that the way that I become better is becoming formed by Jesus and becoming more intimate with him. So we turn to Romans chapter 12. There are two words that stand out in this. The first is transform. The second is conform. And the big idea in this scripture is this, that we need to be transformed from who we are to who God wants us to be. And when we're transformed, we actually become formed in the image of Christ. The second word is conform. And he says, don't do this. Because the reality is that when we conform to the ways of the world, we actually become deformed in our relationship with God. We need to be formed in Christ rather than be deformed by this broken, difficult, struggling, sinful world that we're a part of. So let me read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 6 for you. You want to follow along, do. If you just want to close your eyes and let these words soak in a little bit, do that. Paul says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this age but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Three tweaks, three tune-ups. I'm praying that God would do in me, and I'm praying that God would do in you this year. The first one is a tune-up of the heart. God needs to tune our hearts. Therefore, the word therefore is used four times in the book of Romans. Each time it's calling for something, and here it's calling for commitment. Because God has done something, 
You have to respond. You can't just sit there and say, that's nice. We're participants in what God has done. Therefore, in view of everything Jesus has done, brothers and sisters, it's not just talking to one person. He's not just talking to one demographic. He's saying two things. One, that these words have the power to bring people together like few others. And secondly, that if we want to be transformed, and if we want to be formed in Christ, and if we want to avoid being deformed as we conform to the world, then we need each other. We're in it together. There's no such thing as an isolated Christian. Just doesn't work that way. If we're to tune our hearts, we do so as a response to what God has done, and we do it in the context of each other. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies. Some versions, maybe yours, said this, in view of God's mercy, and they make mercy singular. But in the original text, mercies is plural. In fact, it's plural of plural of plural of plural. Because Paul is trying to communicate, I know that's bad grammar and that won't work for you English majors and folks, but it's plural of plural of plural of plural because Paul is saying, in view of God's Love and his love and his love and his love and his grace and his grace and his grace and his grace. In view of the God who continues and continues and continues and continues to be merciful to you. In view of God's mercies, I urge you, I want to compel you with everything inside of you, I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Some versions of the scripture will say, present your hearts as a living sacrifice. It seems the essence of what Paul is saying when he says, present your bodies, is present your everything. Everything about who you are, give that to God. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies, your everything. The first tuning that I think God wants to do in us is to tune our heart. And by heart, I mean everything we are. Because it's when we give God everything that we are pleasing to God. Paul says this is your spiritual act of true worship. One of the goals as a church we're going to lean in to more is to ask the question, how can we, we worship better? How can we worship more faithfully? And as we've been talking about that, we've realized that worshiping well has little to do with what we sing 
and little to do with how we gather on Sunday, but everything to do with the posture of our heart nine to five, seven days a week. God, would you tune my heart? Because when I give you everything, this is true worship. It's not the songs we sing. It's not the money we give. It's not the events we show up at. Surrendering to Jesus. More and more, little by little, that tunes our heart. The first tuning this year is to ask God to tune our heart, right? Secondly, he says, tune your mind. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's saying there's a battle going on for your mind. It's a battle that is played out in all kinds of uh, scenarios and all kinds of spheres. But at its core, that battle is the battle between the powers and the principalities of this world and the way they operate, and the powers and the principalities of the kingdom of God and how that operates. And basically, tuning your mind really is all about deciding which of these two worlds you want to live in. It's true in every sense. In fact, the way that our brain works, it is wired and it becomes wired by the world that we live in. Neuroscientists call this mind mapping. That if I'm living in the world, then I develop a mindset of the world that triggers certain responses and ways and means and thoughts in me. But if I'm being transformed as I'm seeking to live in the kingdom of God, then the good news is my mind has been rewired in a different way. And the question we have to answer as we start this new year is which world am I going to live in? This world that we know is broken, that we know is hurting, that we know from Scripture is under the the, the power of the enemy, the enemy whose mission statement is to steal, kill, and destroy. Or are we going to live in the kingdom of God, a kingdom that is defined by love and peace and joy, and self-control, and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not that we write this world off, because if we're going to live in this world, we have to love this world. But where are we going to live? Are we going to be conformed, which will lead us to be deformed in our spiritual life, or are we going to be transformed? Paul says, please... Please, 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 do not conform to the way of the world, but be transformed. 
This word transformed in the scriptures has a lot of weight behind it. It's actually the same word that was used when Jesus was transfigured with, with the disciples. Do you remember that story in Matthew? When he goes up to, to the mountain and it says Jesus was transfigured before him and his face shone and his clothes gleamed as he was talking to some of the prophets of yesteryear. The invitation as they were called to be transformed is to live holy lives that, that make us shine brighter and look differently and to stand out as we live within God's kingdom. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love how science is now catching up with the scriptures. So you know, it will never overtake God's word. But it's incredibly affirming that science is now telling us what Jesus was saying years and years ago. The mind can be transformed. If we're living and thinking and breathing and acting in a different way, our mind is actually rewired. And Paul says, be renewed as your mind is transformed. This word re means literally to, to, to go back to a state that was, to, to make new when we talk about it in terms of renew. There's an invitation from the gospel to tune our heart, but also to tune our mind. We tune our heart by saying to God, take it all. We tune our mind by saying, I'm turning my back on that which is under the enemy's control, and I'm turning towards that which is in God's kingdom. Paul goes on to say, this is so, so important for you. Because if you're still conforming to the world and not being transformed by God's kingdom in the renewing of your mind, then you will not be able to discern what is good and pleasing and perfect from God for you. Think of someone you know in the world. Don't, don't judge them, but just look at their life. If we're giving ourselves under the control of the one who who lies and steals and seeks to destroy, then we have no measure, no framework, no reference point for that which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Does that make sense? But when we turn towards the kingdom of God, and we adjust our hearts and we let God rewire our minds towards him, then we have a standard. Then we can know what is pleasing and perfect and good before God. If we're living in the world, quite literally, we have no standards. But if we're living within the kingdom of God then we're serving the God who sets the standard, who creates the standard, who initiates this love. I believe Paul is saying, first of all, as we walk into this new year, tune your heart. Tune your heart by giving more of it, all of it, to him. He says, tune your mind. And the way to do that is by stepping away from the world and stepping 
into the kingdom. And because as we live in the kingdom, we start to understand and therefore can follow and pursue and experience the good, pleasing, and perfect way of God. That's good news. That's really good news. Tune your heart. Tune your mind. Tune your humility. Because there's such a battle in our lives to feed the ego, to protect the self, to hold on to false insecurities, that it's almost impossible to surrender our heart to God, to surrender our mind to God, unless we're living in humility before God. He says, by the grace given to me. He says, I'm not, I, I, I'm not in charge here. God is. I'm not asking you to do something I haven't done. I'm only standing before you because of grace. By the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should. Instead, think sensibly as God has given you a measure of faith. Some of your scriptures will use the phrase sober judgment. Think soberly of yourself. One of the most important things I believe that we can do as humans is to define reality. Two reasons for that. One is we keep defining reality, we find the God who is. Secondly, because we live in a world that tries to puff up pretense. We try to say things and do things and filter things and reframe things in ways that make us look good, in ways that build our ego, in ways that stunt our humility and therefore stop our spiritual growth. Tune up our heart, tune up our mind, tune up our humility. Think soberly of yourself. Get along with God. Realize how good and perfect he is. Embrace that you're not him. Own your shortcomings. Live in the filthy rags of your sin. Not to stay there forever, but to realize that God wants to deal with that. That we're not yet where we need to be. There's this great word picture in one of uh, C.S. Lewis's Narnia books. I forget which one. And, and he talks about uh, one of the characters been on this journey towards uh, the, the mountain. And as the pilgrim, the journey moves forward and closer to the mountain, the mountain becomes bigger and he becomes smaller. That's kind of how perspective works, right? When we're a long way away, things look real small. But when we get close, it's us who looks small, and the thing that's before us looks big. C.S. Lewis was saying, do the same thing in your relationship with God. 
As you get closer to God, you will see yourself smaller, not less insignificant, but you will just see how much bigger he is. And as he gets bigger in our life, then we have no choice but to become humbler. And it's when we're humble that we can turn over our mind and our thinking and our systems to God. And it's when we become humble that we can offer our bodies to God because we've got nowhere else to go. Humility is so interwoven in this idea of giving ourselves to God. Humility helps us give ourselves to God. And as we give ourselves to God, we become more humble. This year, three things that I think that we need to tune up. Tune up my heart, would you, Lord? And would you do that as you take more of me? as I give myself more fully to you. Tune up my mind, would you, Lord, as I choose not to conform any longer to the ways of the world, but I choose to seek God, to follow Jesus, to live within the kingdom of God and let his principles of love and hope and joy and peace and on and on and on transform me and renew my mind. And God, would you tune up my humility? Lord Jesus, would you form me as I'm transformed? Lord Jesus, would you help me not conform because I don't want to be deformed away from your image anymore. I want to take a moment and I want to ask three questions, four questions, I think. As we seek to give ourselves more fully to God this year, what do I need to confess to God? What am I grateful to God for? What am I trusting God for? And what do I need to give to God? But I would encourage you to keep these questions before you and reflect on them frequently. What do I need to confess? What am I grateful for? What am I trusting God for? What do I need to give? Because as we answer these questions, we're inviting God to transform us. And that's what we need. And that's what our relationships need. It's what God longs for. Sometimes God needs to do an overhaul. Sometimes he just needs to tune us. Remember in my life when I was a teenager, far from God, God needed to do an overhaul. And he did. Now as I get a little bit older, there's probably parts of my life that still need overhauling. But a lot of the time now, it's just little tune-ups. I'm so grateful to God for that. But I remember when I asked God to overhaul my life, there was a little song that I sang as a song of commitment. It was pretty popular in the day. I don't, I don't actually think it kind of made it 
over the, the ocean. But it went like this. It said, Jesus, take me as I am. I can come no other way. And as I sang that verse and prayed that prayer, he did. Tune my mind. Tune my heart. And tune my humility. So that there is less of me and more of you in everything that I do.